Thanks for listening to this show from Aspen Public Radio. Archive podcasts, news, and more are made available thanks to the support of listeners like you. To make a donation of support, log on to aspenpublicradio.org. And thanks. Good afternoon and welcome to Valley Roundup, a review of the week's top news stories in Aspen, the Roaring Fork Valley, and beyond. I'm Roger Adams. We're joined today by Curtis Wackerly of the Aspen Daily News. We'll discuss Garfield County's intention to sue the state of Colorado over the high cost of health care premiums in mountain communities. If the county were to win, the effects could be felt up and down the valley. Also this week, the Colorado Court of Appeals has ruled against a developer who challenged Aspen's affordable housing program. He sued, saying that the deed restrictions on these properties he just bought, those are illegal. They violate this Colorado law against rent control. Retail marijuana will soon be for sale in Aspen. To assure a smooth rollout in the community, local officials have created the Valley Marijuana Council. And this week, a top executive of Colorado's healthcare exchange was put on leave after she was indicted for fraud and embezzlement in Montana. Krista McClure is accused of taking some of that money and using it for personal use and paying herself beyond which you know she was entitled. We'll talk with Claire Johnson, the Billings Gazette reporter who broke the story of the indictments. And on the download with Rob St. Mary, what to do about reporting Olympics results from Sochi, Russia. Does social media require spoiler alerts? It's all ahead on this week's Valley Roundup. Just as the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, was beginning to distance itself from critics, there was some more bad news this week, and it came from Colorado. A top executive of the state's health care exchange, Connect for Health Colorado, was placed on paid leave. Krista McClure was indicted on federal charges of fraud and embezzlement. The indictment alleges that she stole money from a federally funded housing project in Billings, Montana. The story of the indictment was first reported by Claire Johnson. She writes for the Billings Gazette. Claire, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Tell us what you know about these indictments. Crystal McClure was indicted on eight counts in U.S. District Court in Billings. That's federal court. And she is facing essentially fraud and theft charges stemming from activities when she was the executive director of Housing Montana, which was a uh, nonprofit housing organization that received federal grant money here in Billings. Now, I guess we should uh, also say that she has denied this. And uh, but what do the indictments accuse her of? She did plead not guilty on uh, February 6th and she was released pending trial. And she has a jury trial set for June 23rd here in Billings. Uh, The indictment accuses her of defrauding um, the federal government of grant money that it awarded to the Housing Montana program. Um, the, The program received approximately $514,000 from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to build uh, 22 homes to help homeowners actually construct these homes. And uh, Krista McClure is accused of uh, essentially um, taking some of that money 
and using it for personal use and paying herself beyond which you know she was entitled. It accuses her of charging homeowners in the program for things that didn't exist, um, such as uh, she is accused of charging each homeowner $750 for a technical assistance warranty, which did not exist, and also charging homeowners a $1,000 fee to lease tools to help build these homes, but in fact that money was provided by the grant. And she had uh, apparently control over um, some accounts and is accused of moving money into an account where she had more discretionary control and then used you know, her control to take this money and use it for unauthorized um, expenses. Well, obviously this is high profile here in Colorado now because of her uh, position. Is this high profile there? Well, maybe not as high a profile as it is in Colorado. Um, this, I, When I tried to call Housing Montana, the phone had been disconnected. And this is alleged to have occurred for about two years, starting in April of 2008 until April 2010. Um, she, After she was here in the community, she got a job with the Montana State Auditor's Office overseeing a federal grant in that department. So she really hasn't been in the community for a while. I believe you also told me uh, before we got on here that uh, now the state is looking at her uh, position and what what happened when she was working in the auditor's office. That's correct. Uh, The state auditor's office is doing an internal review of its records and also will be hiring a third-party person to look at its records. Uh, Christiane McClure, while she worked there, managed three federal grants that totaled about $2.1 million, and this was to um, implement health care reform. And she was hired on a yearly contract when it had an annual salary of about $98,000. She left that uh, job in April of 2013 um, because the grants ended. Uh, Montana did not pursue setting up an insurance exchange, so the, the grant money went away. The spokesman for the department told me yesterday that they, they don't expect to find anything in their audit and that they feel they have strong checks and controls in place for how they administer their grants. But they did tell me that uh, they were surprised by this indictment and didn't have any indication that uh, anyone was doing an investigation of Krista McClure. Which I think is uh, sort of echoes what Colorado officials are saying is, hey, we vetted this this woman and we did not see this because questions are now going to be raised about, well, don't you do background checks on your prospective employees? Is this the kind of thing where nothing would have been on any record until there was an indictment uh, filed? Yeah, I think that's that's correct. Uh, you know, this was a federal investigation from what I know, and uh, it can take a while for these investigations to ultimately um, lead to charges. And so uh, it's not clear at this point exactly how this investigation got started, what may have tipped off uh, somebody that, you know, there was something going on with the books. Um, that information is just not clear at this point, but it, it can take a long time for an indictment to be filed, and uh, so it, it it's hard to know. it's hard to know. Um, as far as I know, she had no criminal background. Um, if she is convicted, um, either at a trial or if she pleads guilty to any of these counts, uh, she she could be looking at 20 years in prison and up to a $250,000 fine, 
on um, the, the fraud count, and um, in most cases like this, restitution is is required. Although there, the indictment does not say uh, doesn't total up how much money may be involved, other than to say it's more than five thousand dollars. And also, at one point, she's accused of having written herself a check for twenty-one thousand um, dollars. So um, she's looking at some very serious charges. Well, Claire Johnson, reporter at the Billings Gazette, thank you for talking with us on our website, aspenpublicradio.org. Click on Valley Roundup, and we will link to both of your stories, and uh, people can follow it from there. Thanks for joining us. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. The Denver Post picked up Johnson's story about Krista McClure's indictment. McClure is the Director of Public Engagement for Connect for Health Colorado. Joining us now to discuss other news of the week in Aspen is Curtis Wackerly. He's the managing editor of the Aspen Daily News. Welcome, Curtis. Good to be here, Roger. Garfield County announced this week that it's going to sue the state of Colorado over the high health care premiums that are charged in the state. Earlier, officials in Garfield County had asked the governor to intervene. The response from the governor was, well, we'll look at it, but, it's, but nothing's going to change until 2016. Garfield County says... That's not fast enough. We're going to sue you. It could have implications well beyond Garfield County. Well, because I think they're really calling out the way this whole new system works or or a component of this new system. They feel like they're coming out on the losing end. Part of this is is now the state is carved up into like 11 different regions. And that's really the only price distinction that occurs in this new system. You know, it used to be all these factors, whether you had a pre-existing condition. So now it's just where do you live? What's your age? Are you a tobacco user? Very basic stuff like that. So we have these ratings areas, and Garfield County, much to its chagrin, has been thrown in there with Pitkin, Eagle, and I believe Summit County, right? It's mountain communities, yes. Mountain communities is the resort rating area. So Garfield County, in the eyes of Obamacare, is the same as Vail or Aspen, and you can imagine how they feel. Well, to give a sense of the difference, uh, a person seeking just health insurance for themselves, mm-hmm. uh, let's say a man in his 50s, 40s, something like that, mm-hmm. would pay literally almost twice as much mm-hmm. per month uh, than that same person living on the front range. And that's the problem. Yeah, that's the heart of it. It's, it's a price dispute. They feel like their premiums are way too high. And because they're thrown in with these areas where the cost of health care is very expensive and people are using expensive services, even if they're generally healthier, which we've talked about before. But the fact of the matter is it's a more expensive area here than it is on the front range. There's fewer providers. All that stuff drives up costs. And I, I, the sticker shock has really been, been acute, especially down there, where the, I, the cost of living is, is a lot lower than it is here. So it, it does seem unfair. I just wonder what, realistically, how successful will a lawsuit against the state be? At the very least, you're not going to get any, anything done quickly. If if their concern is this is going to take 12 months, then uh, then going suing suing the state in the in the courts is is not going to get you there much faster. But yeah. if you're making a point too. Garfield County seems very willing to to make uh, political points. They do, don't they? Yes. With uh, with some of their policy decisions on on a myriad of issues and just sort of asserting their independence, which. You know, you, you can argue is a good thing. Speaking of controversial government issues, the hydroelectric plant, the Castle Creek mm-hmm. Energy Center, as it's known, uh, is back on the table. The uh, city council was looking at some of the options that it has to mm-hmm. fulfill its goal of reaching 100% renewable energy, and that 
hydroelectric plant, which is very controversial, is still on the table as a possibility. Yeah, this was a funny thing. I mean, this came up in a fairly contrived manner, in my opinion, because so the city of Aspen for five some odd years has been dealing with the federal energy regulatory commission, the FERC, on getting a permit for this hydro plant that's been on the drying board since at least 2007. It's gone through lots of different twists and turns, but we have this this pending preliminary permit, and you have to file a progress report every six months to maintain this thing. Now, right now, they they say they're just in a holding pattern. You know, they've they've done all this work. The voters uh, rejected the hydro plant in November 2012 in an, in an advisory vote that's non-binding. Just to be clear, the council could ignore that, and. And so this permit is still on the table, and, and they've been filing these reports every six months um, administratively, very quietly. Because if they don't, then the permit just goes away, correct? Yeah, so they have to keep it active. Yeah, if you don't do it, you jeopardize the permit, which could have all sorts of uh, consequences if, if you ever wanted to, to do the project. But so it came up where I, I think there's there's a, you know, Adam Frisch is on the city council is really, uh, you know, he wants this all to be questioned quite a bit. They talked about it in in an executive session, and apparently someone on council, we're not sure who, but uh, someone said, let's talk about this progress report in a public setting. And so it was put on the council agenda, uh, and there was basically four people saying, yeah, just do this thing. You know, this isn't really a big deal. This doesn't mean we're doing the plan and we're not doing the plan. Uh, Frisch was against against it until he could get more information about something. But it just seems like it was kind of forced out on onto the public agenda, and it gave all the people who were opposed to the plan a, a chance to come out and, and make their arguments, which, you know, I, you can't really argue that that's a bad thing. Let, have it be discussed. Have it be talked about. And just, just let the public know what's going on, that this permit does exist. And the fact that it's, it's even being discussed mm-hmm. angers those who oppose it because they say, hey, we had this vote. But uh, mm-hmm. the fact that they are merely looking at this FERC requirement, mm-hmm. uh, progress report, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that, that there ever will be a hydro plant, correct? No, not necessarily. I mean, at some point they're going to have to, uh, you know. Uh, Make the final decision. Yeah. <laughs> What's the expression? (laughs) At some point, they're going to have to make a decision. Uh, But that that day doesn't have to come for another year or two, it sounds like. They're working with this golden company on uh, renewable energy options. They're going to get a a list of items here. And they're about to buy some hydropower from Ridgeway. That's right. I saw your guys' story on that. It sounds like that's coming online next week, right? It's February 20th. It's been a discussion for a long time, and this is going to supplement our power in the winter when our local hydro at Rudai isn't. isn't. The uh, Colorado Court of Appeals has upheld Aspen's affordable housing requirements on developers. And this stemmed from a case where a developer was going to have to mitigate to create affordable housing and said, we don't want to do that. So in essence, does this ruling uphold the whole notion of affordable housing in Aspen? I'd say so. It, it definitely, if it had gone the other way, it, it could have you know, potentially blown the whole thing up. What happened was a, a California developer comes in here, buys a couple of properties in Aspen, and these properties already had deed restrictions on them. He basically came in and bought a bunch of affordable housing. I don't know why he did that. Maybe he this thing was a legal play from the beginning because he sued saying that the deed restrictions on these properties he just bought, those are illegal. They violate this Colorado law against rent control. Um, that's apparently illegal in Colorado. You can't have rent control. Um, 
there's all sorts of, you know, the, the lawyers have lawyered this to death. And, and what we have in Aspen is a system where it's not rent control because it's a quote unquote voluntary agreement between the government and the developer to have the developer provide some kind of affordable housing as part of their approval process. Well, um, the developer, Meyerstein, California guy, his and his lawyer's argument is, well, that's not really voluntary. If um, we don't do it, we're probably not going to get approval. Yeah, this was yeah. their argument. That was their argument. Um, that didn't fly in this uh, in this particular round. They could uh, see if they could get a Colorado Supreme Court decision on it. We don't know if they're uh, if so. They're gonna... There's no word whether they'll take it. That uh, not not as of early this week. And then of course we don't know if the Supreme Court would even take the case. They've they've weighed in on this stuff before, and so maybe they will again. And and that would probably provide a little bit of clarity. You're listening to Valley Roundup on Aspen Public Radio. I'm Roger Adams. With us discussing the week in the news in the Valley is the managing editor of the Aspen Daily News, Curtis Wackerly. You can get links to all of the stories we're discussing on our website, aspenpublicradio.org. Click on Valley Roundup. This week, something called the Valley Marijuana Council held its first meeting, and Pickett County Sheriff Joe DeSalvo was really sort of the spearhead that formed this council. The idea being retail marijuana is now legal. Mm -hmm. It comes with potential pitfalls of all kinds. Uh, How do we address those? How do we become a model community for Mm -hmm. rolling out legal marijuana? This is really funny. Apparently, at, at this meeting, you know, a display where they show you all the different edibles and drinks and potions that uh, that are now made up and and according to DeSalvo, it it's sort of an educational mission cuz there's you know there's a lot of people out there who have no idea that you know pot now comes in uh, you know gummy bear form <laughs> in fact he said he was surprised yeah. at how many people in our community were unaware uh-huh. And this is causing a fair amount of consternation out there in the, you know, in the grown-up world. They're, they're like, shocked that um, they make, uh, you know, candy that, that is actually pot, and they're concerned that this is going to make – it's like the cigarette ads that were cartoons. Or, they're sort of, it, yes. You can liken it to that. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's that's causing some concern among people who are, are are just getting exposed maybe to this world for the first time. And in fact, uh, one of the things that DeSalvo talked about was the the packaging of these candies, that mm-hmm. they some of them are meant to look like well-known candy bars and mm-hmm. could easily be mistaken for mm-hmm. them. And that uh, there needs to be education about, well, what's what's what are these? Products? Yeah. What what is this stuff? And, you know, it, it gets into this. You know, you can have tourists coming and eating these things and, you know. Perhaps all, eating too much. Yeah. Yes. And next thing you know, they're laying yeah. in the middle of the sidewalk or something like that. So, And all of this uh, comes as the Silver Peak Apothecary uh, is set mm-hmm. possibly next week to begin selling retail marijuana. Yeah, now, I heard that that is going to be a little delayed because they're still remodeling the space. But in terms of legally, correct? Legally, yes. I think they're good to go. 
because the city has signed off and now the county has yeah. signed off. Their, their stuff, uh, you know, they, they have most of the legal uh, backing in place that they now need. And everybody's looking down Valley at the uh, shop in Carbondale that mm-hmm. uh, can't keep enough stock on the shelves. There's lines out the door. Mm-hmm. The nearby businesses apparently are seeing an uptick in their business as mm-hmm. a result. So everybody wants in as quickly <laughs> as possible. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I just like, fast forward two years from now, you know, where, where are we going to be at? Anyone who drives past the airport has been uh, seeing this ongoing construction project, which started out as two mm-hmm. uh, bus stops and then a tunnel underneath so that you could walk, not have to walk across the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were delays, a number of delays. I guess they went past the deadline and when the project was supposed to be done. And for mm-hmm. every day they went past, the contractor was being fined something like $3,000. Now it's upwards of $280,000. And... You guys ran a story this week that said maybe he's not going to have to pay that whole amount. Well, basically, this is the starting point of a, of a negotiation that's going to happen between uh, RAFTA and Picking County on the one side and the contractor on the other. And you're right. There is a provision in this contract that where they set certain dates where this project needed to be completed by. Um, they missed those dates. And three thousand dollars every day. How'd you like uh, to wake up to that as your <laughs> right. alarm clock? Yeah, uh, it's like, oh no, I haven't gotten out of bed. I owe three grand. Oh no. We've heard before. There's there's a guy who worked there um, who doesn't anymore. But back in the fall, he told told one of our reporters, yeah, they're they're coming down hard on us for being late. But the fact of the matter is, we said we needed the green light and the approvals and the permits to go in June. We didn't get them until you know late July or August. So we started out behind the eight ball. So you can't you can't really come down on us too hard. Uh, you know we had all this snow in in yeah. October and and November that probably slowed him down. So it's probably going to get negotiated down. The county and Rapta say they just want to recoup their expenses. You know, think about all the extra bus uh, gas the Rapta buses had to use to pull into the ABC. Apparently they had uh, flaggers out there flagging down the traffic when they were uh, tweaking the lanes. And so direct costs like that the county wants to recoup. I guess we should just end by uh, noting that um, there is a memorial uh, date now set for uh, Stuart Oxenhorn. He was arts and entertainment editor at the Aspen Times, took his own life earlier this month. And the memorial will be held at the Wheeler. This, is, this indicates really, I guess, how well-known he was and well-regarded in the community. He was both of those things, and, and he will have, uh, he will have a, a send-off of... of uh, you know, pretty big proportion. Music, uh, photography, mm-hmm. remembrances of him. And it's going to be uh, a week from Sunday afternoon at the Wheeler Opera House. Curtis, thanks. Thanks for having me. Curtis Wackerly is the managing editor of the Aspen Daily News, and you're listening to Valley Roundup on Aspen Public Radio. It's a review of the week's top news stories with local journalists. Audio from today's show and links to the stories are at aspenpublicradio.org. now for the download, where we check in with our digital content manager, Rob St. Mary, about what's going on on the web and on the internet. Hi, Rob. Hello, sir. Spoiler alerts are first on your list today. Spoiler alerts as they relate to the Olympics. Over the past week, since the Olympics began, 
we've noticed a few things that have popped up. Uh, I don't remember this being an issue before, but in the world of the web and social media and, of course, time zones, Mm -hmm. the question of spoiler alerts has landed right on the doorstep of media organizations, including Aspen Public Radio. We are not immune. That is correct. You know, and I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that from here to Sochi, I think is 12 hours, maybe 10 hours, something like that. So obviously there's a lot of stuff that's taking place during the day and it's getting shifted so that they can put it on prime time to be broadcast. And of course, as these things happen, the question then becomes for us in the media, what do we tell you? When do we tell you? How do we tell you and not upset you if you really had your heart set on going home that evening and watching Sean White in the halfpipe? Quick story about Sean White. My son very much wanted to watch Sean White. One of his teachers at school during the day had gotten a an alert from a news organization and announced it to the class, and uh, he was very upset. He's a 17-year-old, so... Uh, social media savvy, but in his view, he wanted to wait to watch it. We heard from a couple people who uh, uh, responded to our Facebook page. Yeah, and this is what I wanted to show you in terms of what I posted versus the response that we got. So the other day I posted about Sean White the following. I put, Sean White didn't do the X Games this year, and now he's without a medal in Sochi. If you want to know the details, read more here so you but you gave it away in the headline that was the point right (laughs) i I mean that was the point of the criticism i guess that was the point of the criticism so i decided okay let's just ask folks that follow us on facebook what do they think so i put a poll to our followers do you want posts of the coverage of the olympic events before they air on tv in the u.s to have spoiler alert attached so one response we got is i don't want to know how about a headline that says men's snowboarding half pipe came down to a dramatic final run? You can read the results here. It's kind of impossible to avoid seeing the results in your feed, even if you do put the word spoiler. And it's like, don't tell me I have to unlike Aspen Public Radio for the next two weeks. But I am loving the post from Ruthie Brown, by the way. And we'll get more to that later. So when I asked this question also about spoiler alerts, I had another person that says, I don't mind knowing early. And then I had another one who said, a little more pragmatic, I guess, results are all over the Internet and social media. Maybe you shouldn't use your phone or a computer during the Olympics. So those are sort of like the range of responses. So forward in all directions. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't necessarily know where to go with this. So uh, we're just letting you know this is where it is. These are the complaints we got. If you have a suggestion, feel free to put the comment on the Valley Ronda page or also the Aspen Public Radio Facebook page. Just let us know. You mentioned this already, but uh, speaking of the Olympics, we've got really great behind-the-scenes looks at the games. Oh, it's just been wonderful. Ruthie Brown, the mother of Aspen, Simi Hamilton, has been doing some exclusive blogging and dispatches for for us from Sochi. And now, proud to add another one, former Aspenite Bart Garten, who is a videographer from Vail, and he's been shooting the games there, and he's been sending out some dispatches as well. And there's some pretty funny stuff in there. As a matter of fact, the latest one is about several photos of him with uh, security guards, Russian security guards, and why it appears that Russians don't smile. And you may be making a generalization, but those photos with the security guards are quite funny. Today is Valentine's Day, the day for lovers. But... Rob, you, <laughs> you have found that, in fact, we might prefer tech to our partners. Yes. Uh, the L.A. Times shared an infographic on a poll that the firm Harris Interactive did. And it shows that mobile phones, they didn't say partners, but they said it's more important than sex. So here's the numbers. The number of adults that they surveyed, they said they could not live, could not live without their mobile phone. 26%. Number that could not live without sex, 
20%. But what's the one thing? Number two on the list, the top one being food. People said they couldn't live without food. That was up near 70%. But the number two on the list of things that people cannot live without. Their car. Bingo. 42% said they could not live without their car. Recently, uh, the Aspen Police Department has been looking into an ATM skimming scam in town. The thieves here put a skimming device onto the ATM, and they are still looking for everyone's help in finding the suspects. Turns out that uh, there's video of them and some photos of who these folks are. You can see those photos and videos on our website. Rob, you found a story that a similar thing happened to someone in the tech industry that deals with moving lots of money around. Yeah, this is true. You know, if you ever used eBay or some other site where you buy something online, you're probably familiar with PayPal. Well, the president of PayPal, David Marcus, this week said that while in England, someone apparently skimmed his information off a card and then went on a wild spending spree with that. So uh, the, the coincidence here, or maybe it's an irony, is that Marcus says that PayPal is being used by more brick-and-mortar merchants as a payment option for customers. I know this is true because I've been to several different stores where that's an option. You can just put in your PayPal information. So his own company can uh, possibly be part of the key to uh, not getting uh, skimmed or scammed with uh, credit cards. Rob, thank you. Thank you. That's our show for this week. You've been listening to Valley Roundup on Aspen Public Radio. Thanks today to Curtis Wackerly, Claire Johnson, and Rob St. Mary. Audio of today's show and links to the issues discussed will be posted on our website, aspenpublicradio.org. Valley Roundup is a production of Aspen Public Radio News. I'm Roger Adams. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this show from Aspen Public Radio. Archive podcasts, news, and more are made available thanks to the support of listeners like you. To make a donation of support, log on to aspenpublicradio.org. And thanks.